you're listening to Art of the Flow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. We are a weekly podcast that shares our stories and experience of what it's like running a float center. We love to give tips to help you run the most effective and efficient center possible. You can find us on Facebook at Art of the Float, Twitter and Instagram at Artful Floating. You can join the conversation by leaving a speak pipe on artoffloat.com or visit the site to find show notes, links and pictures from every single episode. Um... As you may notice, I am not Dylan. Um, I am, I guess, the host of the night, taking Dylan's spot. And uh, I am Lance Foss from Red Deer, Alberta, and I run the Float Shack. Um, I am joined with the lovely Amy Grimes from Float Nashville. Aw, thanks. Hey, y'all. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's sort of weird without without Dylan, though. It is like, kind it's, of odd. Uh, it's like we're missing, we're, we're missing part of the, the triangle, the trio. We're- I know we're like missing a limb. Yeah, it's our okay. first time being without him, but we'll we'll make do. We'll make we'll be do. all right. We'll be all right. Um, on today's <laughs> episode, um, we actually have Chris Petrovix. Please hope me. Please tell me I said that right. And we'll be talking about the future of the industry. But before we get too far into today's episode, um, we got a quick ad, as always, from our sponsor, Float Away. And um, Dylan just happened to magically appear to do this ad. So thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Lance. Yes, I'm out this week, but I do want to give a shout out to Float Away, of course. I have some unfortunate news, which is that due to forces outside of our control, we're not going to be able to get a brand new Float Away Tranquility Tank either in our center or to the float conference at all. So you won't get to see those nice sparkly starlights on the roof and, and check that out just because uh, it looks like shipping won't be able to get it here in time, even though the, the tank itself is actually ready. So I'm really sorry to, to give you guys that news. Uh, but uh, as always, I just strongly encourage you to check out floataway.com where you can check out not only the, the float tank that we'll, we'll be getting, the Tranquility float tank with some additional features such as the, the starlight and color therapy um, and turning off the light uh, from inside the float tank, uh, turning out the light from uh, the, for the room inside the float tank, but uh, also float cabins, float around, some really incredible float tanks that this, uh, <laughs> this guy we call a genius, uh, Colin uh, from Float Away, is making. So uh, check them out and enjoy the rest of the show. So Lance, what have you been celebrating this week? I saw the picture on, I believe it was Facebook. And there was a pretty cake involved. So what was going on up there in uh, the Float Shack? Well, we weren't uh, we weren't really celebrating. We were more thanking. Um, oh. We celebrated our two-year birthday at the beginning of July. And um, we had our first staff meeting we've had in quite some time, as, as bad as that sounds. Um, but I really wanted to, you know, kick that staff meeting off, off right and thank our employees for everything they've helped contribute to the building of our center. And, um, yeah, you know, we talked before the show, we love ice cream, so there's no better way to thank everyone than with ice cream cake. It's, you know, the best of both worlds. So I like that cake and ice cream together, together in your mouth. It is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it was, it was such a great way to kick off the meeting is to really like put our employees as the center of our meeting and thank them and show them like, I see things, I guess, a little bit differently. Um, a lot of people say their employees are replaceable or dispensable, some people actually say. But I don't believe that. I believe our employees are 
each their own unique individuals and they each bring their own talents and personalities to the table and they've helped us build the center we are today and i i thank them so much for that um you know every one of them interacts with clients differently and they share different stories and different experiences and Sometimes I may not connect with the client, but one of my employees will end up, you know, possibly building a friendship with some of them. And it's really cool to see. So I just, you know, I want to share that with people. Make sure you, you know, in the heat of being an entrepreneur and building your business and you got everything, you know, going on and a million things coming at you at different angles. Don't forget about the people that have helped you. No. You know, this has brought up some interesting conversation between us in that, you know, I think you and Dylan and I have all talked about times when we uh, invest in our employees. I know that I have quarterly, often quarterly experiences where our staff gets together, we go out, we do something um, together. And I look at it as an investment. It's probably one of the best investments I've made. Um, And I think that's probably a topic that we can really delve into one week. Uh, because I think uh, for me in particular, as someone who comes as an entrepreneur, I don't have a lot of experience as being a manager, and it's been a very difficult role for me, and it's been something that's really forced me to grow, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that at all. Um, Lance, can I ask you, what what are your staff meetings like? What kind, what kind of agenda do you have? What types of things do you cover? Um, obviously, there's a celebration and cake involved, so that sounds like a good meeting to me, but... <laughs> But um, but I'm curious. I really am curious. So well, what, what are your staff meetings like? What do you think is important to have in a staff meeting? Well, we haven't been consistent on on our staff meetings. Um, this is something we've recently learned. Um, again, like you go back, you're an entrepreneur. I'm a new entrepreneur. Like I've, I'm just learning how to be a boss. I'm learning how to build a business. I'm learning how to do all this. In the last two years, I've learned that, you know, we need to have consistent meetings so we can consistently educate our 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 employees. Um, I find we're always updating our procedures and operations and how we do things, how we, everything's always changing. And we seem to educate our employees when we see them. And sometimes someone gets missed or it's, you know, there's always seems to be gaps. So um, this was actually the first time where we created an agenda. We wrote down sort of the things we wanted to go over. And um, yeah, we sort of tried to stick to that, tried to keep it in time frame. And um, it worked out good. We're definitely going to be doing it more. I think, I don't know how much, how often you do yours, but I want to do it monthly or bi-monthly. I don't want to do it too often where the employees, it's a nuisance to them. I want them to like feel excited to go to these, these meetings because it's, it's building our team. It's unifying everyone. It's, it's helping us work together. So I don't know, as we move forward, uh, monthly, bi-monthly, you know. We actually just started doing monthly meetings, and this is the first. We used to do quarterly, um, but I did provide food and non-alcoholic beverages. Um, We've actually had um, some of our meetings. uh, For a while, we were actually trying out all the new cocktail places in town, so we would um, have a meeting and a cocktail. Um, And and, uh, Mark and I said, I know, I know. It's like um, we also went to a drag brunch um, one time. So we're not really a a more traditional place, but it was fun. We we had the best time ever, Mm -hmm. the best. And uh, we laughed a lot, and we had um, just, we really uh, got a lot closer. Um, But I bring food, and really, seriously, all of our employees like each other. (laughs) I say that like I'm surprised. (laughs) Everybody likes each other. What's up with that? Uh, They really enjoyed it. And this last time, uh, the meeting was kind of butted up against where we open in the evenings on Mondays. And everybody helped prep the tanks and get it ready for Hebron, who was was working that night. Uh, And it was just a really joyous time. Um. Here's another question. Um, we do pay our employees. 
during their meeting times. I don't think that's mandatory. I don't think everybody needs to do that. It's just kind of a personal uh, thing for myself. Is that something, but I don't know if it's a very common practice. Is that something that you do or? Uh, well, uh, I'm going to say, spot there. no, no, it's totally good. I'm going to say Matt does the payroll, but I 100% want to pay my employees for their time. I've come to learn how valuable time is. And if they're going to sit for an hour and two hours in their place of business, I believe they should be compensated for that. Like, you know, the cake is not compensation. You know, I don't feel like time is, it's valuable. Time is so. money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, it helps me keep my keep it short and keep it concise. I know that it's a mo- not a, not a big motivator, but it is a motivator for me to be like, okay, these people have committed time. Um, I promised them they'd have at least an hour and a half on their pay, um, so I'm going to keep it in that hour and a half. Darn it! Last thing I do, mm-hmm. and it helps me think about what's really important, what I really need to communicate. Cool stuff. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for more staff meetings and recording them. I I actually I recorded the whole thing with my GoPro. So if we ever need to go back, you know, a lot of good questions came up and a lot of good goal setting came up. So um, if we can go back then and watch that, if if ever. So, but are you you were playing around with some new marketing techniques? And a few weeks ago, we talked about being when something new comes out. Be, the advantage to being the first one there you know when snapchat Uh came out being Uh the first ones there facebook live being the first ones there but pokemon are you still (laughs) are you still pokemon i am okay so now now i gotta explain my my whole entire staff went crazy over pokemon i i you know the funny thing is i don't put it on my phone because let me just say that i already have time management issues if i put another game on my phone i am so screwed it's not even funny so i put it on the work phone only on the work phone we have a phone in our office specifically for social media so people can snap pictures and do their thing and um, it is on there so yes i i know that my employees play a little pokemon maybe on their shift it's but you know it's under control it's under control but they were going so crazy and it was it just looked like fun so we actually took um we actually said okay let's make this into a marketing thing um talked to my employees they had some great ideas we have a polka polka stop. I think I'm I think that's right. Right down the street from us. So, <laughs> Mark and I had off work one day. You know what that means? It means that you know, yeah, we we're away from the office. We're still working. So we got in the car. Now, you know, my my business partner is a 60 year old guy who I'm pretty sure has no clue what Pokemon is. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, look, we made up these little bags with little referral cards in them and some some money off we actually put some we put like one free float we put some put some gift cards with different amounts off put a brochure in these little plastic bags sealed them up and we went to these pokestops and there are people freaking everywhere at these pokestops and you know you know who's there to play pokemon because they have like their hat on they've got their phone (laughs) and they're all walking kind of randomly (laughs) and so not only did we leave oh go ahead go for it Oh no! Keep going. I was. I'll. I'll hit this after. Keep going. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So we're we're leaving these little bags at the Pokestops that look like really active. And not only do we go to the Pokestop near us, but we we kind of get excited because I realize you can get Pokeballs. I didn't know this. Okay, so I really don't know what I'm doing. So I'm like, oh my god, we're getting stuff. Like I'm getting Pokeballs. Um. So I'm like, let's go to the next one. So we're like, next thing I know, we're driving around Nashville. <laughs> Um, and getting Pokeballs and dropping off these things and meeting people and talking to people. Um, we're wearing float Nashville shirts. By the way, best marketing thing ever. I can I have the best story. I forgot about this. I have the best story about um, wearing my float Nashville shirt this week. 
Um, but um, so we're driving around Nashville, met people, left bags, and we've actually had several people come to our office because they found the bags with the price off. Man. <laughs> if Now, we didn't get more because we should have been consistent, but Mark and I have gotten busy. Um, we have had several people. In fact, it, one just went up on our Instagram today. Somebody had found a Pokemon in our tank or in our <laughs> float center. Um, and uh, they clipped it. Actually, somebody sent me a picture. They found one in the open tank, uh, a Pidgey. And uh, somebody will know what that means. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we're getting these pictures. And so we're thinking maybe we should do a percent off for finding Pokemon around our place. Uh, although I don't want to invite a bunch of people to come and storm the office, our tiny office, but we'll figure it out. Uh, and the next thing that we're thinking about doing or contemplating is uh, offering uh, certain amounts off for certain teams because there's like Valor and Mystic and <laughs> something or other. Uh, so, so we have gotten some, and if nothing else, we had a blast. We've had the best time ever. So much fun. I love yeah. it, Amy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That is so awesome. Um, I've noticed like we can probably hit this like demograph of of Pokemon trainers as like those who need like physical recovery because these <laughs> these Poke trainers are getting hardcore. I was driving so home hardcore. today and I saw this this little like I would say young teenager boy that you could tell he doesn't really get out much. He's not really someone who looks like he's very physical active. He's very pale, but he was done up in his Pokemon gear. He had a fanny pack on, he had water bottles, he was sweating and you can you can tell. He was walking around with his phone looking for things. I think this is awesome to to see people get out, get out of their comfort zone. You know, like you said, you're everyone's interacting, they're meeting. It's people that are passionate about what this new technology is our pokemon and yeah. and they're they're meeting each other it's it's cool so it I'm, is uh, it is and and by the way the poke gyms um i was telling y'all earlier uh, mark has one at the end of his driveway and it's like a really big one i guess in nashville it is like day and night there are tons of people mark sometimes has trouble getting to his house because of the poke gym and the, there's a poke gym and a poke stop right at the end of his driveway um, and so, um, but, but we, I've sat out there and just watched, there's tons of people and they're like all willing to talk to you. And as long as I have a phone that, you know, and I am catching some things, they're like, oh, she's just part of it and it's all cool. So there might be opportunities. You've got some extra time. Completely it, opposite, fun. completely opposite of Matthew and I, we sit off our balcony with binoculars and watch them all. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're hunting the Pokemon hunters, but. <laughs> nice. Very nice. I like it. You just call out to them. But um, I think there's probably some opportunity with Facebook ads. Um, yeah. There's Pokemon. I know that we have a Pokemon Nashville group on Facebook that is massive. And I yeah. mean massive. Yeah. Yeah. That's like you find those Pokestops. And you can go back to just simple geotargeting. You know, if mm -hmm. they're on their phone anyways, um, yeah, you can geotarget them wherever these Pokegyms are, Pokestops or. Yeah. You guys, you guys probably get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I still don't really know how to play the game other than um, catching the Pokemon. There are gyms and things I've never battled. I supposedly have leveled up enough to battle somebody, but I, I don't understand it, so I, I stay away from it. But it's kind and of fun to catch things and throw balls at things. You were saying you got a company phone, and you said do your staff use that company phone. Yes. Okay, so here's hmm. the other really cool thing Lucky that happens. Because we, Lance, have also had a big staff meeting. And I wanted to, I have a younger staff. I'm much older than my staff, but I love them anyway. 
Um, because I'm like old enough to be their mother, but they are brilliant. There's these beautiful artists, um, peeps. And I decided I, I was really taken on too much. Uh, I'm a little bad at handing off things. Mm. Um, so I decided that I was going to hand over our Snapchat to <laughs> our, uh, float people. And they are freaking brilliant. They are doing 10 million times better than I ever could. Um, one of my employees, Daisica, has now started a reality show on Snapchat on Fridays. <laughs> um, she's hysterical. She's actually an actress as well. And um, she has just made this into a serial. And it is the most hyster- – I, I laugh so hard. I about – well, I about peed in my pants. She's just hysterical. <laughs> she's lovely. Um, and then my other my other uh, – uh, employee, he's into drawing and doing uh, stop, stop photography, stop motion, stop motion photography. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been like drawing pictures, making signs, experimenting with um, video while he's uh, doing just his day to day stuff at the Flit Center. But he's making these beautiful, brilliant little mini videos. And wow, I, I wish I would have handed over social mm-hmm. media a long time ago. I don't think that's for everybody. But, yeah, so now we have a phone that's dedicated to social media, so they can, and I encourage them, even if you don't put on Snapchat, if you see something, you could take a picture, if you have an opportunity to do a quick interview with a client, um, if you uh, see something that you think would be of interest, uh, if you want to make a quick video, that phone is there for them all the time. And they have been taking it and running with it, and they've been amazing. I think that's awesome. I think that's something like as a as a business owner, it's sort of hard to hand off work onto somebody else. But... I think we need to find what our employees are good at, what their talents are, what their strengths are, and let them let them take that. Like if if they're good at Snapchat and you're struggling with it, if it's if it's causing you stress to do something, and someone enjoys that, I believe we should be handing that off. But again, it can be very hard as as someone who's you know taken it all on for so long. And I think we sometimes want to hold on and control things a little, at least, okay, this is my issue. I'm saying this is my issue. We want to hold on to things a little too tightly. Mm-hmm. And we forget that, you know, the reason we hire these people is because they have these, these minds that we love and they connect in a way that we mm-hmm. love with people. Um, if they're connecting with people in your office, think of what they can do. They understand social media because you're using social media to get those people in the door. If they're connecting with the people there, they know what they know the kind of client that you're seeking. They, you know, they already connect with them. So, yeah, mm-hmm. take advantage of it if, if you feel comfortable, because that is kind of a big step. You might have to set some guidelines, but for us, Snapchat is very casual. It's a twenty, you know, twenty-four hours, and it's, you know, it's moving on to the next thing. Um, I think it's the perfect place to start. It's a much more casual social media. Well, also, we also started playing with Musically this week as well. Musically. Yeah. Tell me New more, app. Amy. Okay, new app, um, hard, hard to explain, but basically it is um, an app where you can, a lot of people are using it for short music, I say short music videos, and when I say short, we're talking like 10 seconds, um, utilizing uh, music, they have a whole library of music, a lot of people lip sync or they do dance moves or whatever, there's also a lot of challenges, but the other thing that you can do as well is upload original music, and well, you know, I do live in Nashville, and yeah, two out of yeah. my employ two out of six of my employees are songwriters um but they're ended up we're ended up with uh, cute little fun videos uh and we are having kind of a blast with it once again it's just made work fun again and it's uh getting the creative juices uh going 
So I don't know where, th- where that's going to go. We haven't really started adding people to our account or pushing it or cross-promoting it. But, um, but it's new and it's fun. And uh, it's definitely a younger demographic. Mm. But I think that's going to change. I think it's going to change a little bit here as it grows and as it gets a little bit more popular. Mm. So uh, we'll that's see what a, happens. That's an interesting one. Yeah, let's we'll see, see where that one goes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing getting to watch your employees get more comfortable with the things they do and, and their task and their position. Like I've been able to watch well, pretty much all of my employees go from, you know, having a hard time explaining floats to clients to, you know, realizing that they are the masters in the room when it comes to float knowledge. They know more than I would say 99.9% of the clients that come through the door about floating. And it's, it's really cool for them to sort of grab those lead positions and start not lead positions, but they're, the confidence steps in, they start going above their normal duties or you're, you're able to watch them grow to their next level. Our employees have been a re- like done a really good job uh, lately expressing our packages and memberships and wanting to get people in floating for the cheapest price. And that's, that's really cool to see that they want these people to come back. They want to help these people and they want to get in for the, the best price possible. And we've had a really, really good month for, for selling our memberships and I feel like there's some growth, you know, some some growth bumps. I don't know what you call them. We've had some yeah. hurdles along the way, but we're at the point now where like all our employees are like 100% confident of what they're selling and what we're doing and it's just cool to see. Um our yearly membership has done us wonders. I highly suggest like it's a cool package that we've put together. Um I recommend people to look into that. How how is your setup? Tell me about your yearly membership. I think I've I've broke down our pricing structure quite a few times on here, but okay. our normal float sixty nine dollars. You can buy our three packs, which works out to fifty nine dollars a float. Our monthly membership is forty nine dollars a month, and there's no like contract or anything on that. But you get one float credit a month, and every other float you do that month is forty nine dollars. Our yearly membership that's the only one that we have that's shareable, and that's shareable between three people. And it's, we sell it for $509 as like a one-time payment. And you get 13 floats with that. That works out to $39 each. After they use those 13 floats, for the rest of the year, they only pay $39 a float. And we've had people that come in, three people are like, oh, I can share this. And they'll take that 500, it comes to like $520 after um, taxes and stuff. But it's like $184 each and they can split that and then they're floating all year you know our cheapest price so um like i said our employees are really educating on the benefits of that that is shareable and you know that this is the cheapest price you can float at and it's it's done us good especially when you know when it's purchased it's a large chunk of change that comes in every time so Mm -hmm. yeah that is it's a sweet deal i'm Mm -hmm. gonna come up there and float make out well yeah well, before Very we get, cool. I was going to say, before we get going here into our main topic, it's only a few weeks away. The big flow conference in Portland. No. We, we, oh, I'm so excited. We sort of procrastinated a little bit and we waited to, <laughs> just a little bit, <laughs> and just we waited bit. to buy our tickets. But uh, Matthew, my business partner, actually purchased our tickets today for myself, Matthew, and one of our employees that's been with us since day one, he's actually going to be joining us this year at the conference. So oh, very cool. um, it's not too late to get your tickets. Um, but if you don't get them 
before I believe it's July 24th, there is a price increase. So I do recommend you get in, sneak your tickets in the next uh, few days if you want to save some moolahs. We all know uh, starting yeah. a float center, you'll... Five days. Yeah. Every, every penny counts. So um, we also booked our, our rooms. So there's the fancy hotel nice. that uh, they I'm advertise. The fancy hotel. Uh, I'm not. I'm staying at the I, fancy dorms. Ah, nice. And I'm staying with somebody random. <laughs> so <laughs> Bruce, <laughs> yeah, someone's going to be stuck with me. I apologize in advance. <laughs> but uh, oh, Matt, here, I was going to auction off your room. Yeah, we can auction it yeah. off. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let's raise some money. Who's going to uh, stay with Lance? Yeah, um, Matthew and Bruce are sharing a room, and I uh, I voted to be the. Uh, the random that gets to share but i'm excited to network and meet some some stranger and see what their experiences is like that's my favorite part and so. they get uh free uh float float uh information from you i guess while you're there huh you can uh yeah room with lance and get I'll, some free free info i'll also give all him all his knowledge at your disposal i'll give you a free float card too so then you can come visit me in canada because Hey, that's pretty the, nice. the, the only Americans that have came to visit us have been uh, Graham and Ashcon. <laughs> that's not, that's not a hit to Amy and Dylan or nothing. Yeah, but, uh, I know, I know. I just I just got my uh, passport renewed, so me too. It's in the mail. Out. Mine's in the mail. I hope I get it before the conference. But <laughs> again, guys, it's not too late. Book your hotels. Um, get your tickets. You can do so at I believe it's triple w dot the float conference or not the float conference. Floatconference.com. Floatconference.com. I read that wrong. <laughs> be there or be square or something like that. Yeah, or be salty. Or be, <laughs> be salty. there and be there salty. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Um, I guess we can welcome Chris on the show. So. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Hey, it's good to be here, guys. Hey. Excited. Oh. I am a... now officially outnumbered by Canadians. Ah. Good to have you here. I was just gonna yeah, we got a we got a dense population of floaters up here. I like it. Oh. <laughs> so, Chris, please introduce yourself. Um, I'm not sure if everyone knows who you are, but um, please tell us who you are, where you came from, what your role is in the industry. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess you know that's kind of what's happening now with <laughs> us. Yeah, so that's great. My name's uh, Chris Petrovic. Uh, I started and founded uh, Profloat Incorporated along with my wife and um, my cousin Roger, and we've been doing it for about a year now. We were at last year's float conference and we met a lot of the community there. And since then we've been working on our pro float cabin and we have about uh, 25 of them out in the field now. And uh, we're rocking and roaring into next year's float conference. Really excited. And yeah, we're just doing our thing up here in, in Canada. Yeah. I, I remember seeing you at the float conference last year and I think I, I recognize you and Donna because you had the biggest smiles in the whole place. I always love how like happy and excited you guys were to be there. It's, it was cool to see some, some Canadians in the house doing their thing in the yeah, manufacturing man. We get side. to build float tanks for a living. Why wouldn't you be happy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Happiest place on earth. Better than Disney. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So the, well, let's say the, the industry um, today, I guess we're going to be talking about the future of the flotation industry, maybe a bit about the past and, you know, how we've got to the point we are today and where are we going to be in five years, three years, 10 years, 20 years. Um, I think it's a very interesting topic that we haven't really hit yet. And um, 
who knows? There's so many doors that can be opened and so many doors that can close. So, um, yeah, I just love to have a cool roundtable dis- discussion on, you know, what's the floating of tomorrow? I agree. Mm-hmm. This is um, this is a topic that uh, is definitely becoming more interesting as we are going into the float conference and there are record numbers. A lot of people, um, there's a lot of people coming out. Uh, Chris, oh, in general, where do you see the float, um, the float industry going? What what kinds of highlights and lowlights are you seeing in our future? Oh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be super interesting. And I think uh, the reason you guys picked this topic too is because you can kind of feel that we're at this maybe a tipping point of uh, things starting to change on a couple different levels you know you're starting to see float centers pop up in more and more towns more and more small towns i mean lance is from red deer i mean come on it's, it's red deer and they got floating and not only that but like it's thriving in red deer like that's amazing right and so you know being close to vancouver i started floating out there uh when the float house opened up uh i was out there for like the first month like i'd heard about it on rogan and i was ready to go you know to see go do floating and um, since then, uh, you know, we've seen the number of manufacturers double or so in that three years from what there was mm-hmm. before. Um, you're going to see more bigger players entering the game in the next two years or so. You're going to see more uh, established businesses that maybe already do uh, some other type of manufacturing business that now they're just launching a float c- company or uh, side division so there's going to be a lot more resources put in to floating and then there's going to be the ups and downs of that too as it becomes a little bit more mainstream um the core culture of floating how th- how is that going to change uh what kind of people is it going to drive in how are how is it going to be received because um is every center going to be hosting floats at a consistent way so that the therapy is being mm-hmm. optimized the way that yeah. we all kind of hope it will mm-hmm. and you know, there's there's more than one right way to run a float center, and there's one more than one right way to build a float tank. So, I feel good, like it's exciting because I feel like ultimately everything you get out of floating is positive. Um, it's just from the, I don't know, if you want to get into like the the business side of floating, which this podcast is kind of about that, right? Like running and operating a float center, it's gonna become pretty interesting to see what happens as um, new companies come and some will go and there's going to be hurdles and it'll be interesting to see where it takes the industry. Um, my thoughts were that uh, two years ago, it seemed like there was a massive focus on pods uh, in floating uh, in general. Like this was this aesthetically pleasing, very sharp. And so you saw like a bunch of really sleek pods come out. And then, um, you know, as far as like the floating goes, some were having more troubles than others getting that kind of core experience locked down and for us that's where we wanted to just be like okay this is what we're going to do we're going to focus on the inside of the float tank first and then work our way out because ultimately like we're about the core floating experience like that's why i love it is getting that you know perfect temperature you know that perfect size that you know let's create that environment and that's why i shifted towards the cabin and so now you're seeing a little bit more different styles of tanks come out and then you're and so then that creates different marketing opportunities so i don't know you're just going to see everything kind of branch off and then uh, we'll see which 
branches become stronger as they grow, which I'm kind of curious to see from your guys' perspective where you feel it's going to take off as far as um, the amount of centers opening up and how they're going to do it, right? Well, I think you, the one thing you brought up that I, I do uh, find very interesting and something that I think is going to have to see a shift over the next few years for us to grow is a consistent experience. Um, consistent experience uh, is going to be, I think, one of the most important things in actually helping our uh, community grow. Uh, and I'm not quite sure at this point how that's going to come together. But um, if people are having consistent floats, you know, one of the one of the issues that we always worry about, or at least I uh, that I'm always concerned about is, you know, there's, all, there's a lot of centers popping up. What kind of floats are they giving? I see mm-hmm. people, you know, talking about water temperature. I see people talking about, um, you know, issues. And I'm seeing very wide um, differences in um, in how a float is given. And yet a lot of people, when they go for an experience, consistency is so, so important, whether it be food or massage. Um, and, you know, we're seeing a lot more franchises franchising that's all about giving consistent experience so i think consistency uh is something that needs to happen over the next few years whether industry standards or just the yeah we, not necessarily industry through cfc when we um submitted to the national health practitioners of canada that's one of the things they sort of said is if we're going to approve your like float center as a practitioner we need to have guidelines like guidelines not standards but saying like Every float center needs to be like, in order to get this number, uh, you need to be operating within these principles of floating. You can do it how you like, but operate within here so we know that every center is is delivering a consistent service. I assume there's something similar to massage where uh, you would know, Amy, where you have to maintain these certain guidelines. Um, But consistency is huge. And, you know, figuring out like what that is. You know, whether it's like the how much salt do you have in the water? Do you have 1.26 or do you have 1.30? Does it not matter? Do you just run in that range? Temperature, what is the consistent temperature we're going at? Like, I don't know. It's different, I think, from state to state, from country to country, from center to center, but. And down to person to person. Yeah. Like what you get out of your float, too. Like, that's the thing. It's such a personal experience for people. Oh. I was, yeah. was going to say, I also believe, like, we, we take it back a few years, and the original float tanks were the Samadhi tank-style float tanks, and they sort of dominated for for quite some time. And then yeah. and then it went from tanks to rooms, and then pods popped up. Like, But during that evolution, I think we've learned how to uh, pinpoint this, or... We learned how to fine-tune the tanks so we can deliver more consistent service, whether it's it's how we maintain temperature or filtration or all this. I think as the industry is growing, we're able to be more specific. Now, now a lot of these manufacturers are integrating, you know, computers and apps and everything's programmable. And, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, some of those older Samadis, they looked pretty, uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the older the older tanks. Um, but floating of, yeah. So uh, with consistency, um, you mentioned that there'll be a lot more big players. Uh, is consistency going to happen because you think, because we're getting more big players? Are they going to, well, how are they going to change the industry? Because, you know, we already have True Rest. I think we have Float House. And I know I've seen a few more people talk about starting franchises mm-hmm. um, and having franchise opportunities. Um, 
How's that yeah. going to change the industry? Well, I don't. I I guess like I get to look at things from a bit, bit of a different perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like you, ha- we have everything that's big now, right? And then just to kind of put it into comparison, even the big manufacturers, they're maybe ordering one pallet of motors a year or one pallet of this or that, whereas the hot tub companies they're ordering hundreds of pallets and this and that. So what happens is even from the equipment standpoint, flotation isn't even really on the radar of some of the more, um, what would you call them, uh, established business structures there where once they see opportunity to grow their company or start a new company or so on, and they're already in the industry, they're going to be able to jump in and come in with their feet running, right? right. And the right. thing is, is that I don't feel like really that's there yet. And I think maybe this year we're going to start to see kind of the rumblings of um, the much deeper pockets as far as equipment building mm-hmm. coming soon. Yeah. Um, when you have money, you can move a lot faster, which is real important in a new industry. Uh, and this, uh, and it's been interesting because we've talked in past issues about how uh, we're finally seeing at this float conference people that are outside the float industry starting to create um, create things for the industry uh, for the first time and they're coming to the float conference and they're not float centric mm-hmm. normally so when people are starting to be willing to invest money in a new industry and to try things out that's uh, we're getting there there's that's an indication that they're that people are feeling it out seeing what kind of money they can make so these people are popping up in the game and they're investing money whether like you just said, but um, the float industry was growing at one point and it did hit a point where it did crash. Yeah. Is yeah, that going to sure. happen again? The, the, the future of floating, is there a crash? I want to bring up one thing that's a little uneasy. We don't want to talk about what if, what if somebody dies in a float tank, whether that oh. is drug induced, ketamine induced whatever or not someone has a heart attack someone slips and hits their head someone dies in a float tank how is that going to change the future of floating do what what do you yeah that's oh that's interesting because you know that's something that like as a builder of float tanks like that's like the first thing on my mind is like how how do i know that like this is not going to um cause death right like how do we minimize the opportunities for that to happen and then Mm -hmm. You know, then you hit a certain point where it's like, well, you know, if we just, if the industry keeps growing enough, um, it's going to happen regardless. And it's just going to be a matter of what the context is. So I think it's going to be a matter of the context. And I think if you're just looking at things from mathematically the universe, like if people continue to float, um, there's going to be an instance where somebody's not in good health when they're at that float or they've taken a little bit too much of this or that, or, you know, a blood clot lets loose who knows right Right. but the context i think will drive the potential negative backlash to the industry so that's kind of my thoughts it's kind of like you know what like we'll just focus on doing the positive stuff and uh if something like that happens like oh god forbid but yeah yeah but like i don't know i I don't quite know how to (laughs) how to you know answer that (laughs) because um i think it's inevitable that something like that will happen and you know hopefully uh the scenario isn't negligence yeah well and it has happened in the past um and it's interesting that you know it has happened and yet it was at a time that the industry wasn't as 
we weren't in a growth stage. The industry was still pretty small, and it didn't seem to have a whole lot of effect on the industry. Um, but now that we're bigger, you know, I look at things like the cryotherapy, and they've had an incident not due to the cryotherapy itself, but, but due to um, someone using it in an incorrect manner. Um, the industry took a bit of a hit then, and now the FDA is coming out and saying some things against it. And um, so all of a sudden, an industry that looked like it was growing, like it was getting ready to, I don't want to say explode, I'm not quite sure it was there yet, but an industry uh, that seemed to be moving pretty quickly now seems to have slowed. That said, I'm saying this from um, speaking to a cryotherapy, a gentleman owns a cryotherapy place in our town. Well, I know um, like the Health Canada outlawed them, and there's one that opened up here, and then this death happened, and they shut them down. Like they, yeah, so... It'll be interesting, and that's you know that's probably my bigger. Con- in some ways, it's not my bigger concern because I am already in such a highly regulated state; it's insane. But um, my first thought is, if something happens, usually what happens is government comes in here in the U.S. and regulates the crap out of it. Um, well, I've even seen people in float facilitators have issues getting insurance for their float center as is. Like, if there's a yeah. death when they do research on Google, and there's a death associated to float tank. Is that going to raise everyone's insurance rates? Like, is this something we have to be prepared for? Or well, well, you can always be a swimming pool like me. I get swimming pool insurance, which costs a freaking fortune. Oh, but, but, um, but yeah, I know, I know. It's so sad. I always had to bring that up because it still it kind of makes me laugh. I mean, it's still kind of funny. Um, three years later, I can still laugh. That's good. But, um, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, from it is true. Some people already are having issues. I've heard that as well. Um, uh, it'll be, you know, I kept thinking, oh, some some insurance industry is going to, like, latch on and see an opportunity with the float industry and kind of specialize or, ni- or niche in that or niche in that. And um, it hasn't happened in case, in fact, a lot of uh, insurance companies seem to kind of be backing off hmm. a little bit. Yeah, that's good. That's good because there's are more centers open up. There's more research happening. There's more people know about us. You know, we're out there now. The industry's out there, so... Hopefully it's a good upwards climb, but, you know, as, as we move forward in the industry, I think it's good. We have, you know, a manufacturer's perspective on this, but like, what's, what's going to be new in the industry? Like what's next? Are we going to be incorporating different things into the float tank? You'll be able to monitor your heart rate, your oxygen levels, things like that. Are we going to be incorporating VR into the float tanks? Like being a manufacturer you have to be you have to be projecting two or three years ahead of the game because by the time you got your your design work in your systems in place your engineering drawings in like it's you know what's next in the technology of floating chris i'm well this is my take on it is that the next thing that's going to happen is um the industry is going through this surge and at some point it will plateau mm-hmm. a bit yep. whether whether it, it drops down a little bit or whatnot yep. um is to be seen but but there will be a bit of a plateau and i think with that you're gonna end up having a lot of established centers that are up that are looking to upgrade their equipment after being five ten years in yep. to business or so then you're gonna have all of those pre-existing tanks going out to either smaller startups or home units mm-hmm. i think uh i think you're gonna see a rise in the amount of home floats mm, you know really it's that like was my next question yeah yeah really it's like all of us and probably the majority of people that listen to this they ha- already have access to a float tank and mm. if you think about it though like how many people just have access to float 
whenever they want. Mm -hmm. Like any day, like any day you could go into your tank and you can, you can take advantage of that. When you think about just against the general population, you're going to have people that are members that once the tanks are becoming a little bit more uh, competitive with other, what would you call them? Luxury home items, I guess we could say. I think it's safe to say, like, there's obviously, there's a variation of what you can get. You can you can start at the very uh, core floating experience with something like the Zen Tent, and then you can work your way up. And then, really, there's no limit to what you can do for a home unit. But I think it's going to be that middle class where it's like, I this is the therapy that works for me. How do I get it into my home? Uh, for us, I know that's where a lot of my attention is going to shift in the next two and three years of our company, you know? So, I mean, it's weird too, because I'm not even a full year in. It's, it's insane right now, like what's going on <laughs> in the industry. And, you know, we're still learning so much stuff, but I just see that there's going to be some innovative things coming out as far as how to get units into the home for a more affordable cost. And I think you're already seeing that with the Zen Tent, Escape, the Lily Pond, mm. um, you know, and I'm excited to see who's gonna come up with the next thing mm. for getting it into the home. Yeah. Um, one thing that Lance was talking about that I, I do, uh, I would love to hear more about is, you know, we talk about the experience, uh, the float tank experience, and it is, you know, I know sensory deprivation is really not very accurate, but, um, it is interesting that as we evolve, that tank is going to change, I think, um, and people will want more. They'll want a more versatile tank. We do already see some tanks with some you know, music and the ability to do lighting. But what, but what do you feel are going to be, as we grow as a business and as we look for more ways to, to bring in um, like add-ons, excess income, that sort of thing, what do you see being in the tank? I mean, is, I'm sure not everything is going to be maintained as this pure float experience, this pure sensory deprivation experience um what do you think it's going to look like in the future for float tanks well i think you know from a manufacturer's standpoint what i try to focus on or grow is the ease of using the the equipment from an owner operator standpoint so from your guys's point of view how do we free up your time so that you can grow your business and ultimately have more tanks or have a second center open or so on what is stopping you from having that success and sometimes it's just the amount of actual work that goes into maintaining a float tank so i think you're going to see automation become a huge thing you're going to see more apps and you're going to have all that stuff too i'm not sure you know myself i have almost no interest in playing with like video screens inside the tank i did when i first started i was like oh i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that and then it was like you know what it is hard enough to make like a beautiful float experience without even getting into some of the bells and whistles and if you don't have that um what you know why are why are you focusing on so much other stuff and that's just not my style mm -hmm. to say but i think that there's going to be people that will fit that archetype like you're going to have people that will create with that stuff in mind mm -hmm. as well coming out yeah i i just see it as like uh the reason why i sort of brought that question up is like the float tank is a tool and that tool can be used in, in various different ways you know the person who wants the sole experience of complete nothingness and entering the void uh, may not be the person who wants to watch the perfect golf swing for an hour and you know as as we move forward with the industry and more and more people are getting in here and you know possibly universities are using it for research um you know the techniques we spoke about before like super learning and people using language tapes and visual learning techniques um 
I'm just curious, like, how far that can go. Like, you know, the potential for doing these things is almost, well, what the mind can take it. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, well, we have to look at expanding the market. Um, you know, we have a certain base. I, I personally do not like, I don't like sound. I don't like light mm-hmm. in my yeah. float. That's just a personal experience, a personal preference. Um, but I know that there's probably another market of people, another group of people that I could bring in if I had, you know, I don't advertise the fact that we can even put music in the tank. They yeah. learn that yeah. usually after, you know, two or three floats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that I could probably get more people in if I advertise I could put music in the tank or I advertise they could watch a video or whatever yeah, yeah, in the yeah. tank um, and it could expand my market. Um, I, I hesitate to do that right now because I, I do see so much because I, I focus on pain management. And for me, I see so much benefit to being in that situation and and. I can kind of do what I want because it's my flow center, but <laughs> yes, but, that well, is we can, very true. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I think in the future, as more and more float centers come on the scene, we're going to have to reach for other markets. Yeah. And I believe that is what we're going to see. Um, me too. I like the soul experience of nothingness. And I think there's a lot of um, benefit that comes from being with the mind. But again, like I said about that tool thing, like it can be used so many different ways and someone may not give two cents about the mind and they want to decompress. They want to be in the Epsom salt, but they want to watch ESPN because they don't want to miss the game, you know? And if that person's willing to pay to be in the float tank for 90 minutes and watch ESPN or whatever, you know, like I'm saying, I'm not going to do this in my business. It's not my style, but we're talking about the future of floating. You know, what, what does the customer want? Is that there? Well, is, that- yeah. Yeah, that's that's the really interesting thing. And as you're saying that too, I'm kind of thinking it's like, well, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm listening to two people that own float centers talk about floating, and <laughs> you guys are both kind of going back to talking about how you, um, you have more of your interest is in the therapy and the helping people, that side of the whole the whole business, and then so we get questions from people like, oh, okay, so can, if somebody's like paraplegic, is there a tank where it can be an open concept and move in and go in? And it's like, well, yes, that can be done. You can do stuff like that. Absolutely. For me to do a design solely focused on such a very small, small market, like it doesn't make sense for my company right now to do that, but it might make sense for somebody else who can, has a little bit more expertise in that field to do that. And so I think, Basically, the market's going to go wherever you guys want it to go. Whatever the float center owners are telling us to do, we're going to do it because that's, you know what I mean? Like if it separates the difference in between, you know, and that's part of the reason too we decided to stick with the cabin is because the feedback we were getting is that, you know, um, that some of the float rooms were providing more consistent experience and that's what, you know, float center owners wanted. So we shifted to that. And that was just kind of our take on it, right? So, and, and to a degree, I think you're right. As a manufacturer, though, and I actually grew up in a, a manufacturing household. Um, it's what my father did as an entrepreneur. Um, there were some things that, you know, if it wasn't going to make him enough money, then, uh, yeah, he wasn't yeah. interested. So I think there has to be, you know, um, yeah, I think we'll grow. Well, it would be interesting to see. I guess there's really no way to predict for sure, but it'll be interesting to see what will produce enough money, what there's enough desire for that actually makes it um, through the manufacturing stage and into the market. Um, and I guess yeah. there's always people who will, who will 
fill a niche if you know somebody will do it for some money well yeah no for sure of it, but. we go say if it's just for money but let's let's switch it up and, and throw a curveball and say it's not for money it's because of your health board that something has to be done um mm. you know what if what if all this research comes back and they're like guys we got some bad news for you uv peroxide not working switch it up is there something that's next like is is anyone else that we know of any of us three know of that that's tinkering around with other disinfectants or sanitizers i should say um like i know people have used silver ion to sanitize their water um i don't know much about that i'm not going to speak much on it but what else is out there is somebody looking into different options Oh man, I get, I get calls and like emails from people that like have ideas or they tell me what they're working on, on a fairly regular basis. And yeah, there's a lot of like super interesting stuff that's happening. And, um, you know, there's, there's always that part of me that wants to be able to do every project with like every person and kind of customize every tank like crazy. But, um, you know, I like, you know, we're, we're, you know, growing a company that's hoping to have a couple of different product lines and stuff like that so it's like yeah i i honestly i i don't know lance from a sanitation point of view yeah there could be a curveball that, that gets thrown at the industry uh i generally feel most of the people that i've talked to uh whether it's in um anywhere from government or regulators or so on they're really not looking to crush an industry or stop it from happening they just don't want to be the one that signs the paper on something that goes wrong like that's yeah. really like like this just feeds a lot of you know what ends up trickling down to the float center owner is it's just that if something's unfamiliar um you're gonna have more hesitancy and therefore more confusion you know everything from uh different types of certification and you know it's just to me it just it's it's so bizarre to watch uh, at times because there's so many people that go through so many issues and sometimes they bring trouble on themselves when they're opening up float centers. And I get kind of this outside perspective where I get to see where people do things right and where people kind of miss the mark for how they get going with their float center. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. This, this topic is so broad. You know what I mean? I can see the avenue that Lance is trying to take the conversation. And I, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have all the answers for what's being innovated and like the fun, cool stuff. No, it's, <laughs> you it's, know, it's, it's more, it's not really answers. It's just like ideas and projections and like, what do we think? It's the imagination in 10 years. Who knows? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Are we going to see it like this? This one, my next question is, did you have something, Amy? No, go no, for it. I was going to say, um, are we going to see, are we going to see dry rest or dry flotation pickup and why or why not? Like, um, you have someone that doesn't need a shower. They don't need to change. You can get 90% of the benefits. Well, we don't know because again, just like flotation, there's no research. There's very little research. How do we know that we can't put a water bed quotation mark inside yeah. of a pitch dark room and get the same effects of floating and you know, it seems, seems like a lot of sanitation factors, a lot of safety factors, a lot of slips and trips all disappear if you incorporate dry rest. Do you, yeah, yeah, uh, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> but I don't want to do dry rest. I want to float. <laughs> like, I want to get in the water. I want to have my toes wiggle around. I want to 
have like that smell and I want to feel it, the water in my hair and I want to feel my muscles pop and crack and relax. Like I, like, okay, but I might you, be able to have, get that on a dry bed, but you know what I mean? Like have I you floated in the like, Has anyone here no, floated I haven't. in and I, and How do we know I that totally we're not going to love that just as much as this? Like, is it really the water we want or is it the effect Maybe. of floating? Like it's, I, I admit I love the smell of Epsom salt in the morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's you, just something about it. You know what, me and my wife, we were talking about the, um, what goes into the ritual of being able to float, how it becomes this, you have your pre-shower and your post-shower and you have your kind of maybe your routine that you do, whether it's you, um, when you put your earplugs in, almost like an athlete, like you kind of go through these routines where it's like, yes, now I'm ready to enter the void. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it is my time with myself. And, um, so I kind of personally, like, I love float centers for that too is because then I get to experience your guys's take on hosting a float. I think that hosting a float is one of the coolest things that you can do for a job these days. It's actually like show somebody, Hey, this is the room that I've prepared for you. This is all yours. Um, it's a tool. It's totally open, um, to whatever you want to do and however you want to experience it. And you know, here you go. Hope you feel better after you come out. You know, I'm here if you need me and like doing the host. So, I mean, you know, I have a float tank in my house and I always find that like the hosting is always something that's the most satisfying thing is seeing that look of people when they come out of the tanks. So if you can get that look from an airbed or a water mattress, awesome. But I'm not building airbeds or water mattresses, man. I'm here I'll, to build cool float tanks. I'll tell I you, love it. I'll, I love this industry. <laughs> I'll tell you, I love this industry too, but I also like being the first one there. And I also like it when I see an open market for dry rest. So anyone that wants yeah. to um, get in dry rest with me, please send me an email at lance at the floatshack.com. I think we can change the game here at the future of floating. Sorry. Well, there is, a, <laughs> no, there is a dry rest bed that's out that I told Mark, whatever it is, that we need to go to travel and, and uh, give it a try. I am kind of curious about it. But that does bring up some um, very interesting things because I think as we grow um, and the government starts to see us grow, I understand what you're saying. They're not out to uh, to shut down the industry. I, you know, they're, they're not I, – I honestly, yeah. at least with my health department, I never felt that they were being difficult just for the sake of being difficult with us. Um, but, um, I think as we grow and we start to catch the eye and, and God forbid something does happen in a float center, um, I do see a lot of regulations. There's already been some, uh, some states where they've attempted to go back into unregulated centers and decided they were going to now regulate them. Um, and some, and some government officials going back in and saying, Hey, um, you know, I've heard about this thing, and now I'm concerned about this and this and this. And they do have the right to come in and change that at any time, um, which can be super scary for a, mm-hmm. a, a for a center. Um, so as the industry grows, and we do, there might be a possibility. Do you, do you see more regulations happening? Do you find as a manufacturer that you're getting more and more requests for very specific things based on where your float tanks are going? And do you think that's going to impact, how, how, or, or how much do you think that's going to impact the industry? Um, I think that it's there's going to be an interesting balance on those that can establish precedent uh, versus uh, getting over the confusion of things. You know, like I'm I'm dealing with a, a state right now that is a very uh, NSF state, right? And there's so much confusion about it. It's just it drives me mad when it's 
like I when don't you think you're the only one. <laughs> Sounds drives, like Tennessee. It it <laughs> drives me mad to see how many hoops and wasted time ends up happening on the float center entrepreneurs time and energy like the mental energy that gets dumped thinking about these regulations when in actual fact um, there's really a lot of unknown questions and there's already precedent being set with how to run a healthy float center and a lot of confusion that happens with with it too and I just anytime I can try and give some clarification on some of that stuff. I love to do it, even though I'm not the be all end all know all of these, these topics. But for us, like we're going out and we're getting our uh, UL certification on our entire system uh, so that our system is electrically certified. Now it was electrically certified, but is it, a, you know, sanitarily certified? Like there's so much you can go down the rabbit hole and um, in a young industry, um, if too many regulations come in too fast, uh, the growth will just be stunted. And, you know, my thought is, is that, and that's why I love the idea of getting floats into homes too, is because you can't stop somebody from putting in a float tank if it's properly electrically built into their home, right? Like you can't tell somebody, you know, this product is uh, like, Oh, the, yeah, the sanitation thing drives me nuts, jumping in between one state to the next state. And we just do our best to kind of overkill as much as we can. And even that uh, isn't enough for some places or it requires more clarification or mods. Yeah. Now, have you got any requests from any health departments or anything about air quality? And what are we doing to monitor air quality in these tanks, especially um, people that are running ozone? Like, what's... Do we just forget about air quality or is there, you know, people paying attention to that? Air quality, I haven't had any uh, specific requests for air quality just to make sure that there is proper air exchange within the unit itself. And are they measuring um, air exchange? Like none of the people that I've been working with so far. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, you know, this is the thing is that you go through the battery of investing in different tests and um, like, yeah, you can look at me and the name is Pro Float Inc. But really, it's just a group of seven people that love floating and are doing their very mm -hmm. best to build a great product. I don't have all the scientific tests done yeah. because if I were to have to do them tomorrow, uh, we'd be out of business. Yeah. It's just yeah. that's that's the hard problem. Okay. But I would like to be able to invite anybody that knows some of these things to reach out to us too because we're always doing that like we're trying to find students and other people that can help us mm -hmm. do more for a good value right because yeah. if you just go straight to some of these regulatory bodies there are fifty thousand dollar tests to tell you yeah. something that well, you can find I, again yeah, i, I just ahead. bring these things up because i think they're questions of tomorrow you know it's another thing where mm -hmm. we're going to need to be monitoring our uv light output you know, we're going to need to be monitoring mm -hmm. all these things that have sort of just been forgotten about. Um, they're going to come up tomorrow. And, you know, if we do find, oh, being in a float tank after three years of floating every week with ozone gas in there is not good for you and it's carcinogenic, who knows? Like, I'm just saying, if these things come mm -hmm. back, like, this could be something that everyone has to change their float tanks. And, you know, the, the earlier we start asking these questions is the earlier we can sort of plan for them. And I don't know. It's just, it's just conversation, I guess, you know, just, I like to, I like to dream of tomorrow and see what tomorrow has to bring. And 
it sometimes is good and sometimes yeah. it has the bad and <laughs> yeah and i think you know it all of it boils down to just more research more research more research mm. that's what the industry yeah. needs that's what everybody research, needs research, research. yeah you guys need more more information as a manufacturer we need more information everybody needs to just be able to have more information so that we can continue to make smart decisions as a community and not have the choices be dropped on us um, because we weren't proactive in as a community worrying about these things and then figuring out well what can we do to uh, mitigate any of the risk mm -hmm. so that we don't get overregulated. So uh, I was going I was going to ask you Amy. I was going to say Chris brought up that uh -huh. point about about yeah. home floating. And say we do see an increase in home floating and mm -hmm. some mad genius out there makes it completely practical to float at home. How what do you think that's going to do to this industry as as a float center owner like uh, do you see oh. 2,000 of your annual floaters floating at home and shutting you down? or? So so I've mm -hmm. thought about this, and Mark has actually installed several float tanks into people's homes. Um, so we do it, and we get a lot of, we field lots of questions about that regularly. Um, you know, the Zen Tent is probably the most, if, the cheapest option right now, and I know several people who own them. Um, but even that, for a lot of people, for that pricing and also purchasing the salt, the electricity to do it, uh, proofing uh, water or waterproofing the room, getting ventilation so that it runs properly, that's still quite an undertaking for most people and it can add up pretty quickly. Um, so I do think that people are always going to be looking for options. Um, but I'm not so sure how prevalent it's going to be. It takes a lot of time and effort to uh, run a float. I had a float tank in my home, and, you know, there's some effort <laughs> that goes into it. I had to think about it when I went away. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, arrange for house-sitting for the cats and for the float tank. <laughs> um, so there's uh, there's so there's there's quite a bit, and even a hot tub. I mean, yeah. I, I have a hot tub, um, but, you know, we saved up for it. I don't, you know, don't make a lot of money. I saved up a lot of money for my hot tub. I saved for it. But, you know, the reality of it is... Um, it's a lot of effort, and sometimes it gets neglected, and then we dump the water and start all over again. Um, so I'm not so sure. I, I'm sure there'll be some effect, but I, I, I don't really think at this point that this, unless somebody comes up with a super cheap option that is so contained that, that literally they take the unit, put it in their home. They don't have to, like, worry about mm -hmm. ventilation. They don't have to worry about painting their walls. They don't have to worry about redoing yeah. their floors. Built-in shower. Um, yeah, everything's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's going to be quite pricey. So I'm not, I'm not sure how many people so, how many people actually do so, it. Sorry, I was going to yeah, say well, an effect from bottom line. I just want to say, say there is a rise in home floating, and a lot of people start floating. It is it is as common as I don't know, whatever. More people start floating. Mm -hmm. Do you think that is going to affect the price in which we are charging for a float? Like in five years, do you think well, we'll be charging more for a float or less for a float? Um, well, in my case, with our regulations, and I think that'll vary state by state. I have so many regulations. Um, what I charge for a float barely allows me to make mm -hmm. a living. Um, so I don't think in my state it would be very hard to go lower. Um, that said, um, you know, if more people do start floating, that's just a great opportunity to start a float tank maintenance business. You know, there's pool mm -hmm. services. Yeah. Well, I mean, so there's all it does is open up other opportunities. It may affect... I, 
yeah, it could affect my float tank business, but if I'm all I have is a float tank business and I'm not paying attention for opportunities, that's my own freaking fault if I miss out, if I'm not paying attention to trends, if I'm not serving the people. You know, my whole point in getting into this industry was to serve people um, and help them to float because I think that is super important. It changed my entire life. So any way I can serve them, it may not be a float tank business. Maybe that's not the only way or the best way that I can serve my community. It might be going in and starting a float service as opposed to a pool service. Um, so I don't worry too much about that. Um, I hope it does happen. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, I would I would love a float tank back in my house. I, I can't wait. Actually, we disassembled. We got rid of one. We didn't get rid of it. We disassembled one of our float, uh, our skate pod. Um, I'm going to, I still have plans to fix that puppy up and put it in my house again someday because <laughs> um, I, I miss it. Um, so actually, I, I think it'd be cool. I'd love it if more people yeah. floated. More mm. opportunity for me and more people are getting floaty. No. So that's awesome. I agree. Let's do I it. Agree with you. Everybody yeah, I should have one in their house. I know personally from just my experience, just being able to host floats at home, how many people then will seek out the center that's closest to where they live after, be, you know, having maybe had a more, you know, something that they maybe wouldn't try or go out and buy, you know what, all of a sudden a friend has one or a friend of a friend. And if, you know, especially for people that really need it, like they'll find it, they'll find mm -hmm. floating it these days, which is beautiful because, you know, for me, it was, it was back pain. Right. And that's what made me find floating and drive me to building my own float tank. And then eventually building more so and that is an awesome point because i know in the massage in industry we kind of plateaued there were certain people who got massage there were certain people who didn't then massage envy happened everybody freaked out every massage therapist i knew was like oh my god we're never gonna our industry is going to crumble um so a bunch of massage envies went in and when the report when the annual report came out by one of our massage associations um we noticed more people were taking a risk getting a massage and then they would graduate I, I say graduate but now they understood what a massage was and now they were going to try out other different massage experiences and it ended up being a very positive thing for our community so what you just said I think will actually help us and take some of the stress off of our marketing dollars um, of these small float centers and help the industry grow I don't fear larger companies i actually think they are a um it can be scary if one's moving into your neighborhood i get that in that mm -hmm. initial fear mm -hmm. but i think overall we're going to see really cool things happen from that and it's actually going to be a positive thing for our community and uh one of the things that's too tough. that that's going to be a game changer is uh insurance if you can get your floats covered under some sort of plan you know, because that's usually a little bit of the hangup for people is that it does, it costs money to run a tank, it costs money to operate a tank, it costs money to host a float. And it kind of comes down to, there's a large amount of people there that if that was covered under their insurance, uh, especially here in Canada with the way our healthcare works, um, it like all of a sudden the, the floodgates would absolutely open. Um, and you're hearing kind of trickles of certain plans and so on so getting passed. So this, you have thoughts that, on that lens? I gotta, I gotta drop something here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm allowed to do this because I have a podcast. So <laughs> um, with CFC, uh, we're currently moving forward with some insurance stuff. And um, I am looking for anyone who has any connections with the major insurance companies. Um, that's like Sun Life, Great West, all these. If you know anyone that works there or anyone that knows someone who works there, please 
contact me. Um, it's yeah, I just need to contact some people um, with these companies, and it's easier if you have an in or know someone who has an in. Um, but yes, um, sorry. That's no, that's okay, and it's a smart thing to bring up. And um, Chris, I like where you're going with that. Um, I find it interesting. I'm not sure how uh, Canadian healthcare uh, works per se, and I'm not sure like when they cover it, um, how they cover mm -hmm. it. Um, here in the U.S., I, I think it might be good if the insurance companies cover it, not because it's going to help help us um, get a whole lot of floaters. Um, as someone who has taken insurance in the past, this is what. Well, let me put it to you this way: in the U.S. Um, Hydrotherapy, I'm assuming mm -hmm. float, floating would be covered under hydrotherapy. Um, a lot of physical therapists who use hydrotherapy are shutting down their hydrotherapy. They're filling in their pools um, because insurance doesn't cover a whole lot of it. They cover so many what they call units, and units are usually made up of about 15-minute increments. So what happens is, is like, okay, you get so many units covered uh, per year. And oftentimes, um, you know, you get two or three units, which would be about 45 minutes of a float. Um, and then the person's responsible for the rest of it. So I'm not so sure that 40, you know, for one 45-minute float or 45 minutes of a float, um, that a lot of people will be running out in droves to, to spend their money. But it will bring awareness. Mm -hmm. It will bring a lot more awareness and, if we get and it covered. Right yeah, now, I think the, in the awareness side of things is um, there are people that are claiming this through insurance now, and they are getting approved. But everyone's calling it something different. They're claiming it under hydrotherapy. Some people are calling flotation therapy. Some people are calling floating. Like everything's different. That's part of reaching out to um, these these health insurance companies. Is we have a document all put together that we spent quite some time putting together through the CFC that we just want to place in their hands and give them the education because right now. Um, the education they're getting unless they're doing their own research it's the clients that have floated calling them being like hey i just did this trippy floating thing and like it's awesome can i claim it <laughs> and that's not the approach we need to take so i'm just looking to get education in their hands and that's the biggest thing is educate like you said yeah, I, I agree i i think if we get education the correct education in it's um it'll it'll help bring awareness to everybody whether or not we get a whole lot of coverage and not. yeah we got to make sure like if we do mo move forward with insurance, how much is insurance going to be paying for a float? Like you just said, like, are we getting $15 for someone in a float tank? And is it just going to devalue the industry? So who knows? Well, what you do is you have them sign it up front. They, they're responsible for the, for the difference. But here's what I, I, as a massage therapist, I used to take insurance. And here's what happens. I took insurance. Um, then I would have to apply for that insurance. I'd have to send in the reports. And then it would be sent back, and then I'd resend it, and then they'd send it back, and they resend it. And maybe five months later, um, after I spent two or three hours, well, probably about two hours on that um, return, I get my check for you know forty bucks. Yay! I, I'm I'm just um, starting to think you got to move out of Tennessee. I think it's just Tennessee. No, 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 that, <laughs> no well, it could be because you know so. <laughs> Tennessee and all that, but but. That is how our insurance comp uh, how our insurance yeah. um, filing works here in the U.S. Um, and and it happens with every healthcare. Provider. So the massage, usu but usually, it, it, well, just not even just massage, yeah. but any um, health provider, they have a whole like staff of people who do yeah. nothing but sit there and return yeah. these these uh, yeah. claims. Uh, Sounds like processing so the claim is more work than the actual massage. It is. <laughs> 
and it's expensive. Mm. And that's what I that's why I finally quit doing it is because here I am, I'm still making my seventy five dollars an hour for a massage, except now instead of just doing the massage and making seventy five dollars, I'm doing the massage. Then I have to do paperwork, which I hate. And then I get it back, and I have to do paperwork again that I hate. And then I have to call them and say, hey, why did you deny this? Oh, why we need X, Y, and Z. Okay, now I have to find X, Y, and Z, put it in an envelope, and, and send it again. So it got to the point where I was losing money. Yeah. No, it makes, <laughs> it was, it was it makes sense. And I think this has came up in, in different places in the float world before. Like, you know, insurance may not be the best thing for the future, you know. And if it is, is it going to be worth your time? So. But awareness, but, education, but yes. Awareness. Mm -hmm. Good. <laughs> and then you get doctors to uh, refer them to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think awareness and education, yeah, that's really big. But I think some of, like, some of these health insurance are starting to take a preventative measure on things instead of so reactive. Like, we've always, health insurance has always paid for you to, once you're broken to get fixed whether that's physio well sorry canadian stuff whether it's physio or whatever but now it's like okay if you're working in a high stress job you know a high stress environment how can we or even your company pay for it how do we get you in there to manage your stress or manage your physical being before it gets broken you know it's a different approach that i think it's starting to the industry is starting to take insurance wise Rest do you have more people um, talking to you about uh, putting float tanks in homes, um, looking forward, being health, um, health first thinking? Do you, you said you were going to focus on that. What makes, you, what makes you feel that that's the next place to focus? Do you get a lot of people? Uh, I, yeah, no, there's, there's definitely enough inquiries, and the, the main stop for some people is getting it um, at a, at a price that they can afford. Like, and again, like what we're talking about too is, um, like we have to look at, at the big, the big picture of it too, right? Like we're, you guys all have centers in different communities and so on. And then for however many centers, there's only however many manufacturers, but just basically we get inquiries from, uh, India, we get inquiries from Holland, we get inquiries from Australia, from New Zealand, from, uh, Texas from, you know, New York, like all over the place. We get inquiries from all over the place and all of those people have different stories about what brought them to floating, right? And so the kind of the bottom line is, is that there will always be those people that will find floating um, regardless of, um, say, the cost point or, or so on. So there's that whole other part of the market where, when there's only really a handful of float tank manufacturers, we service a wide variety of people. It's not even like there's so many different tanks out there at this point of time where it's really dialed in to very specific demographics or specific locations, you know, like, and so that's the kind of the thing that always blows me away. Like tomorrow we leave for Salem, Oregon, and then I get to go to another city where there's another culture around floating. And that community then has people that go to that center and then they go off and tell their friends and who knows who will call next. You know what I mean? Because it's like they go in and float once and then they want one in their home because they can, right? They can, and they can, they can put a $25,000 unit in their home because mm -hmm. that's just the life that they live. Right. And right. so is that a huge amount? Well, no, but it is for, if there's only a dozen manufacturers in the entire world, right? So yeah. that's going to help grow and shape us. 
So it kind of is this interesting um, rhythm that you end up following in business. The same way with, with you guys, like you'll see what your core kind of clientele is, and then you find that 80% of your attention is on that chunk, and then 20% of your attention is on the other the other chunk, right? So um, yeah. it's, it's just interesting. It's all just a matter of perspective, and I, I just love listening to your guys' opinion on, on everything because... Yeah, I get I get to talk to so many different people, but you know, talking to float center owners is always the most exciting thing for me to see what your daily struggles are and where your head's at for where you think the industry's going to go. So, I I think it's exciting no matter what, no matter where we end up. Um, it's going to be an adventure, and I think we're going to see opportunities that we never imagined would pop up. Um, and that's really the exciting part is seeing opportunities and seeing how fast we can jump on them and, and seeing where that takes us. I mean, it's always growing. It's always changing. Yeah. And, um, and that's part of the adventure. Yeah. And, uh, really you know, not to, uh, not to drop like a weird plug or anything <laughs> like that, but like going into this year's float conference, a lot of our focus has been deciding whether or not we will be selling our filtration system independent so that you can set it up to whatever other unit that you want because we're starting to see that there's going to be companies coming out where they just sell the base or the shell of a tub and then you can customize your own room. Well, you know, we're going to do what we do good and we're going to put our filtration systems together and, you know, if we have, we do already have people that, with that demand. We already have people that run liner systems that are asking how we're doing our heat. And so we're looking at getting our heating certified as an individual component so that you can just buy our heating system and mod it to any tank. So I think you're going to see a lot of that happen in the industry too. And so we're looking to get in on that side of things and we're looking to get in on uh, just kind of focusing on getting more people floating and getting those floats more consistent like we talked about earlier. That is fantastic. Hey, Lance. You were quiet. Do you have anything you'd like to add or anything else you wanna, we want to see in this conversation or anything else that we want to explore no, before I'm, we call it a night? I think it's been very interesting and really made me think of, you know, floating tomorrow, what it has to bring and, you know, some of the hurdles that we may come across. And, you know, it's there's a lot of potential we've brought up before, but there's so many gaps in this industry that needs to be filled, whether you're manufacturing parts or salt or seals or building tanks or doing home stuff like there's so many gaps that need to be filled and any one of you listening can step into any of those gaps and be a leader in that part of the industry so i think the future of floating is only as bright as we make it so we're <laughs> all going to work hard we're all going to get everyone floating and i think it's going to be uh it's going to be beautiful this, this industry is so passionate. I don't see that passion dying off anywhere. You know, look at the groups we have. Look at the conference. Look at, yeah. No. Other than that, I don't have much more to add. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, it was a pleasure having yes. you on. Thank you. Look forward uh, to the pleasure was all stuff. mine. Seeing you, you in a few so weeks. Yeah, we'll hug it out. Yeah. I remember Lance. Heck yeah. Lance has a really solid man hug. Like yeah. he, he gets his arms around you and you just feel so safe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, Lance has got me. So uh, uh, I'm looking like forward to, to my it. Lance hug. <laughs> That's, it's, it's really funny. I, I know y'all can laugh about this, but um, yeah, I have my hug list. I've started my hug list of people that I want to hug. Um, yeah, what a, what a crazy, wonderful industry when we can all like talk about 
who's going to be on our hug do, list we, this year. We do not we do not need Pokemon Go. We need Float Hug Go. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to go hug floaters. Just go hug floaters. That's what I do. I don't, I don't need some some animation, you know, crappy little draw. No, I'm going to go hug a floater because, you know, that's the person that I want to have a conversation with is a floater. Was, do you want to go half on a booth, Amy, for like a hug booth? Strictly hug just booth. strictly oh hug booth. Oh, my gosh, booth. yes. But just a hug booth. I'm, t- I'm totally down with that. I'll, I'll let you totally guys. I'll that. let you guys set up camp on yeah. the corner of yeah. our booth. Yeah. I'll give you guys like a little two foot by two foot square, and then that's <gasps> just like the hug zone. Don't put it out there unless yeah. you're serious. I will. It'll I will go buy a hula hoop and I will label it <laughs> hug zone and I will put it at my booth. I will do it. <laughs> uh, okay, hold me to it. All right, everyone. Again, thank you all for listening. Um, you can check us out on at artofthefloat.com or you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram. My favorite at artful floating. Um, until next time, everyone, get those tickets and come check out our hugging booth at this year's conference. Hopefully, we'll be a returning guest every year. Thank you, everyone. Bye. You're listening to Art of the Float. 